This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Hey, Elevate. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for coming tonight uh, to the sanctuary of Living Word Church. And for those of you who are watching uh, through live stream on Instagram and Facebook, thank you guys so much for being a part. Uh, and it's so good to be back with you. Um, I wish I could be with you in person. Uh, my heart hurts uh, so much to be with you in person. Uh, if you're wondering, uh, Jackie and I evacuated to Destin, Florida. We're staying with some wonderful pastor friends of ours here. Uh, those who are our pastors whenever I was the youth pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church. And uh, it's been a blessing to be with them. They've been fantastic. Um, we have uh, two things that we're trying to do to try to um, to stay connected and involved and, and be a blessing back home. Are, are one, uh, this service tonight, uh, I want to continue to, to speak God's word and, and give encouragement and, and discipleship to, to elevate. Uh, and then also uh, using the connections that Jackie and I built, trying to uh, rally the churches here to send aid. Um, we already have a truck that's being filled up with uh, tons of stuff. And Thursday, there's going to be a meeting of the churches. And part of that meeting will be to discuss uh, what we can do to send there to Living Word. Um, so anyway, be praying about that. And um, we love you guys. Uh, one of the things um, that I don't want to go any further without saying is... Um, I recognize that um, many, many of you who are watching this uh, lost a lot. Uh, maybe homes, uh, stuff. Maybe some of you guys have had to rip out your own carpets or gut the walls of your rooms. Um, maybe the, the roof of your house. Uh, maybe, uh, like us, a lot of you are scattered all over the country and, and wondering what your house uh, is looking like. And I just I, I want to say, Elevate, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for for everything that you've lost. I'm sorry for um, maybe the strains on relationships, um, the, the loss of work hours, and, and just your personal property. Uh, I'm really, I'm so sorry. Uh, this has been a mess. And uh, I'm so glad that, that you guys have worked hard to pull together and to support each other and encourage each other. Uh, I'm proud of you, Elevate. I'm proud of you. Uh, and I love you guys so much with all my heart. Um, I want to give some thank yous. Thank you, first of all, to all of you who reached out to Jackie and I to see how we were doing. Many, many of you contacted us, checking on us to see where we were and how we were. Thank you for loving us and caring about us like that. Thank you to the many of you who are serving at home with your families. Thank you for all of you who have taken on uh, work projects and serving your parents, serving your brothers and sisters, serving at home. Thank you to the many of you uh, right there in that room. Thank you for serving Living Word Church. And, and you're not serving a building or organization. You're serving Jesus by loving people, by, by serving people and giving to people above yourselves. And I'm so, so proud that a large part of the workforce right there at Living Word is Elevate. 
and it just makes me so happy. I love you guys. Thank you. And also, thank you for those who are putting on the service tonight, who are running the media and running lights and sound and all the different things. Thank you for those who uh, have given testimonies of what God has done in the aftermath of the hurricane. Thank you for those who, who ran worship. Thank you for the leaders. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you guys have done. Um, it's been an honor and uh, very difficult to be uh, disconnected from you guys. And our prayers are with you. Um, I think we need to accept that we are in a new normal. Uh, it may be weeks or months before the electricity is back on. And it may be years before HOMA looks the same again. Um, to, it may take many months before we get back into what we consider uh, a routine. Uh, we have no idea what the future looks like. And I think that that always looking towards this unreachable goal of getting back to routine isn't necessarily the healthiest goal for us to have. Our goal should be right here, right now. What can we be doing today to serve the Lord, to push his kingdom forward, to love each other? Let's be engaged now. Now may be the new normal for a while. And I hope it grows us and stretches us and pushes us. I want to give a shout out to a couple people, and I think this is a beautiful opener to what we're going to talk about tonight. The first one is uh, Pete. Love you, Pete. You're awesome. Pete was uh, one of the first people to contact me. He was actually before the hurricane. He called me up and said, Dom, do you want me to sandbag the lighthouse for you? I'm already over here. <laughs> Pete, you're awesome. Pete was also the one after the hurricane that said, there's a lot of robberies. Dom, you want me to go board up your windows for you at your house? <laughs> like That's amazing. What kind of friend is that? Uh, and then also, I want to give a shout out to Jason and Carla Gianda. Um, I would like to almost kind of dedicate tonight's message to them. Jason and Carla have suffered big damages at home, and yet, where have they been? They've been right there, morning to night, serving and loving and sacrificing with you guys. What, where is the balance to say, oh, but this is my house, this is, this is mine? I, I, don't, I don't know. But I can tell you what they've done. They've put other people above themselves. And, and I hope that the family of God comes around them and serves them and takes care of them too. And I think they already are and already have. And so uh, Jason and Carla, you guys are awesome. Um, you guys are examples of what selfless hearts look like, of what it means to be a Christian. Not a great Christian. This is just what Christianity is supposed to look like. You guys. Now, thank you very much. I want to dig into God's word tonight. And I hope that it's encouraging and challenging uh, for all of us. It's James. And we're going to start right at the beginning. And it's amazing. And, and you'll realize that the first thing that James has to say to the people he's writing to is actually very shocking. And the second thing he has to say to his people is also very shocking. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for these students, those who are watching in person and those who are um, live streaming from everywhere, scattered everywhere. Lord, I pray that you will be with your people there who are working shoulder deep in the thick of it, serving thousands of plates of food, working hard uh, on relief teams to go out and help people. Lord, be with them, guide them, give them safety. Lord, I pray that you give incredible safety. You guard them with your angels. that they They're not hurt in all that they're trying to do. And Lord, I pray that living word is a blessing more than just physical needs, but people will discover a love of Jesus and a community of believers, Lord, that is life-giving, eternal life-giving. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. 
And I pray, Lord, that, that you are pushing your kingdom forward through these difficult times. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, James, chapter 1, verse 1. Are you ready? Do you have your Bibles? Here we go. It begins with his autograph. James, a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And who is he writing to? The 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Hello. What's up? How are you? The dispersion. What's he talking about? The 12 tribes. He's making a reference back to when Babylon conquered Judah and they drug the inhabitants all over the world, across the world to Babylon. And he's referencing this because they're actually in a real life dispersion. Because of Nero, because of the persecution of the church, Christians, Jewish Christians, have been have been leaving. They've been refugees, leaving home, trying to get out from under this persecution to find safety for their families. Many, many, many of them have scattered all over the world at this point. And so he's writing to people and he's reminding them, hey, this isn't the first time that we've been scattered. God was faithful then. God is faithful now. And they had to leave their homes. They had to leave their families. They had to leave everything that they knew to get out. uh, of the persecution that's happening. And I don't know about you, but um, there's a lot of people watching this probably that are dispersed. You're you're scattered like Jackie and I are, living someplace else, wishing we could be home. And James is writing to you. But there are also a lot of Jews that were under persecution that stayed. James is writing to you. People that are enduring the sufferings and trials. This is to all of us. Verse 1, this is the first thing he has to say to the people that are under persecution, that are dealing with pain and suffering. Verse two, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet various trials, when you meet trials of various kinds, count it joy. He could say, James could say, hang in there, work harder, stick with it whenever you meet trials of various kinds. But he doesn't. He says, rejoice, be glad, be excited that you are enduring trials of various kinds. And I like the phrase various kinds because that can include hurricanes and relief in the aftermath. Let's keep reading. For you know, so he's telling them something that as Christians, they should already know. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So God uses tools, painful tools, chisel kind of tools to develop believers in maturity. And the word testing there is not a negative uh, feeling. It's actually a very positive connotation in the original language. And it's the difference between saying a warship was tested in battle, right? And it arrives in port And thank goodness it survived, but it's all beaten up, right? It barely made it through. It was tested and it survived to get to port. It's the difference between that and the testing of, say, running drills in basketball or soccer or sparring in martial arts or weightlifting where you're pushing up iron over and over again. That's the kind of testing that James is talking about here. Not the kind where you are are showing up at the end beaten, but where you're showing up at the end better. That counted as joy when you endure trials of various kinds, because through this testing, this testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness, perseverance, endurance, 
patience, steadfastness. It's going to be full of ouches. It's going to be full of stretching and uncomfortable moments. But we have to get a perspective change. Count it as joy because God's at work now. He's at work presently, currently in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, making mature Christians. And what do, what do these running drills, what does this weightlifting, what does this sparring produce? It produces this steadfastness. It is a gift that God is giving us through the molding, through the chiseling of these tests. But we don't show up on the other side. Our steadfastness is not this, this stubbornness where we lock our jaw and we're just callous to everything that comes against us. No, this steadfastness is this patient endurance with joy. With joy. How could James say that? With joy. And then he goes on to say something else that's shocking. Verse 4. And let steadfastness have its full effect. Let it come to maturity. Let it grow. Let it blossom all the way. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Perfect and complete? What, what could that mean that we're perfect? Jesus, in fact, says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He tells the woman, go and sin no more. What's he saying? That the believer is striving to be perfect. That perfection is defined by Jesus in three ways. And that's what I'd like to unpack here for the next few minutes. This steadfastness is an ingredient that grows the Christian towards perfection. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, Jesus defines perfection as three different focus changes, three different lifestyles, three different mental, visual orientations. And there are these three. There are one, they are a detachment from the world. They are two, a dependency on God. And they are three, developed relationship with Jesus. That is detachment from the world, dependency on God, and developed relationship with Jesus. Let's break these down. Detachment from the world. This is be, like, let's change the way we think. The way we think, as in everything about where we're going, everything about God, everything about heaven, everything about where we're going is better than everything about where we're at now. Everything about where we're going is better than everything here. Like, if we could change that focus, our whole lives would find peace. We detach from selfish ambition, where our lives are about us, where our plans and our hopes and our dreams and everything is about me. We detach from our selfish ambition. This was a huge place of sacrifice in my life. The one reason that I had decent grades in high school, the one reason I had decent grades and pushed harder than everybody else and went farther and got out of state and got out of Dodge was because I had dreams for my life. And God asked me to sacrifice all of them. We detach from our selfish ambition. Jesus says that we pick, first of all, he says that we deny ourselves. And we pick up our cross. That is death. 
to ourselves and we follow him. We detach from selfish ambition. Two, we detach from people. And I know this sounds harsh, but Jesus actually said, unless you hate your mother and father, you have no place with me. What is he saying? Well, we know what scripture says. It says we honor our mother and father. We, we love people. This is not, this is not a literal thing. What he's saying is, who has control over you? Does your girlfriend have control over you? Because in reality, we are called to be detached from everything else that has control over us. Who has control over you? Is it your friends? Is it your, your peer group? Who is it? Because unless our, our fidelity, unless our faithfulness to him largely over, overshadows, supersedes all of these other things in our life, all these other relationships in our life, then we are not living for him. We've made them our God. We detach from people. Number three, we detach from stuff, from things. Jesus tells the disciples, hey, look out, look at the birds, look at the flowers. God has provided for all of them. They have enough. Jackie and I once had this conversation just before, or actually just several weeks after I began my very first full-time youth pastor job. We were on a road trip and, and we had this conversation of, of all of our things, of all of our stuff. What's the one thing you wouldn't want to lose, that you want to keep forever? And Jackie was, she knew right off the top of her head, she said, my, my portable hard drive that has all my pictures, my pictures documenting my life, my pictures documenting our relationship and everything. And for me, it was pretty easy too. My dad had given me a gold pocket watch that we planned to, to be a, a, an heirloom that we would pass down. It was a windup. It was really cool. And I kid you not, it was probably a week later that I went on a bike ride, came home, and the, the door of our apartment was smashed in. And six things were stolen. And two of those six things were her portable hard drive and my gold pocket watch from my dad. It was amazing. And this was one of those very small, various trials that God was using to mature us, to say, life isn't about stuff. Stuff is so unimportant compared to the bigger scheme of things. We detach from stuff. We have our, our eyes on the prize and he outweighs everything. So what does it mean to be detached from the world? It means that if it all goes away, that nothing has changed. In your life, think about it. If everything was gone tomorrow, would you be the same? Or would you be devastated? Because stuff carries a lot of weight in your life. If it all goes away, would we still be the same? So detaching from the world is a focus shift. It's a focus shift where we take our eyes off the benefits of this world and we put our eyes on the joys of heaven. I want to say it again. Detaching from the world is a focus shift where we take our eyes from the benefits of this world, the hollow, empty, temporary benefits from this world, and we place our eyes on the joys of God and heaven. And we detach from this world. Number two. Number two is that our dependency is completely on God. That he holds all of what we lean on, where our security is in him, our peace is in him. This is, this is why it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because faith is a surrender. It is a, a giving up of what we hold on to. 
the kingdom of heaven is upside down. To us, we think of there is a baby who becomes a boy, who becomes a man, and that man is strong and self-sufficient and can stand on his own. There's a baby, there's a girl, there's a woman, and she's strong and self-sufficient and she can stand on her own. And that is maturity. And I hope that for all of my kids. But the kingdom of heaven is upside down. To become a baby and grow in spiritual maturity is actually to become more and more dependent on God. Where we actually try to hold on to less. Where we try to control less. Isn't that what Jesus says? He says, unless you have faith, like one of these children, come to me like these children and you'll have salvation. That's crazy. Not earn your way, not work hard enough, not, not be such a strong Christian that you can go fight your battles, but be such a mature Christian that we surrender and allow him to fight our battles, allow him to make the miles and make up the ground that we try to fight for so often. Dependency on God. He, God is enough for our salvation. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to try to look good enough or be good enough. He has earned our salvation. He's sufficient. We don't have to try to fight for it. He cares for us spiritually. He is enough for our daily needs. This is what, what he was teaching them in the wilderness with the whole manna. You take the manna home and it's enough for today. Don't hold on for it till, till tomorrow because God's got you for tomorrow. And this is part of what Jesus was saying with the birds. Look, there's this list of things that we need. But seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. All those things will be added to you. Our God is sufficient for our needs. He is also enough for our future. And he's going to care for us and take care of us. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. That is it. He's got us in the palm of his hand. My life has been a series of testimonies of how God has been faithful when I wasn't enough that he was sufficient and he is sufficient for us emotionally it is spiritually physically psychologically and emotionally think about the fruit of the spirit we don't muster up joy we don't muster up peace these are gifts of the holy spirit in us god gives love joy peace patience kindness gentleness self-control there's one more in there this is what god gives us that is a psychologically and emotionally sound person because God cares for us that way. He is sufficient. And so to depend on God is a focus shift where we take our eyes off of our problems and we put our eyes on the sufficiency of God. Dependency on God is where we have a focus shift from our eyes being on the problems of the world to being on the sufficiency of our God who loves us. That is a dependency on God. And third is developing a relationship with Jesus. This is, and, and you know what, I say this for third, but this is actually the first. Because without a relationship on Jesus, we can never detach from this world. Without a relationship with Jesus, we could never have complete dependency on God. This is the starting line. This is where it all begins and not only is it the starting line of salvation, but it's also the daily momentary walk of a believer is a relationship with Jesus. When we picture Jesus with us, that is more reality than it is imagination. He is our omnipresent God whose self-given title is Emmanuel, God with us. Ah, that is so cool. What a God we serve. You know, when you read the book of John, I say when, because I'm expecting all of you to read the book of John often, 
read the book of John, look at how many times it uses the word no, K-N-O-W, no. And this isn't no like a head knowledge, like you know what the capital of Louisiana is. It's not New Orleans. That's head knowledge. No, this is experiential knowledge, empirical knowledge. This is where the, the difference between knowing someone's name and that person being your best friend. Yes, I know them, I know their name, or I know them, I know who they are. We have relationship together. We've, we've had experiences together. We've been through things together. I know them. This is the know that is talked about in John. And the word know is directly connected with salvation. To know God is to have salvation. This is why Jesus says that he has been sent to the world that we might know him, the Father. And it's out of God's great love that he would send Jesus. This is it. To know God is salvation, and to know God is our daily walk as Christians, is to know him. And to know Jesus is not our first priority. It's not our highest priority. In fact, there's a bug crawling up my leg. It's not our first priority. It's not our highest priority. Knowing Jesus is our only priority. That's how we choose what work we're going to do. That's how we choose who our spouse is going to be. This is how we make daily decisions is to glorify him and be obedient to him. To say, I love you, Lord. How can I serve you? That is the walk of a Christian. It is our only priority. To know him. And it is a focus shift where our eyes go from what's right in front of us to who is with us. Developed relationship with Jesus is a focus shift from our eyes being on what is right in front of us to who is with us. So we have a detachment from this world, dependency on God, and developed relationship. And James is saying that steadfastness is a key ingredient to all of these. So we have steadfast detachment. We have steadfast dependency and we have steadfast relationship how how is steadfastness developed in us it is through god's using various trials to test us to chisel at us to spar with us to grow us not where we show up battered but where we show up better we need to stop telling god how big our problem is and begin to tell our problem how big our God is. And he is awesome and mighty and worthy of our praise. Hallelujah to you, Lord God. This is an example that I hope you remember me giving before. And as long as you're around, I hope you'll hear it again because it needs to stick in your mind. If I was to take a penny, the smallest monetary unit that we have in America, a penny... And I was to look at that big tree over there, that tree that weighs probably hundreds and hundreds of pounds. I don't even want to guess. Huge. The difference between the weight of this penny, the size of this penny and that tree is just, it's huge, right? But if I hold this penny up and I close one eye like this, and I, instead of looking at the tree, the huge tree, I look at the penny. The first thing that's going to happen is that tree is going to get blurry. And in the background, 
And then if I begin to move the penny closer and closer to my eye, I can actually get to the point where I don't see that enormous tree anymore. All I see is the penny. And we do that with those various trials. Where we have this enormous God who loves us. But then we start focusing on something so small. And as soon as we take our eyes off of God, as soon as our focus is shifted off of God and onto the penny, then God becomes blurred in the background, obscure. And then suddenly the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and all we can see is the, is the penny. But we have a God who is so much greater. And this is gonna take all three of these, detachment from the world, dependency on God, develop relationship with Jesus, will take a focus shift to go from the penny and bring back into view the clear understanding of who our loving creator, omniscient, sovereign God is. Emmanuel, God who is with us, that is our God. I wanna close with a story about a family that Jackie has been praying for. The, the father is a youth pastor and they have three kids, healthy, joyous, bouncing off the wall family. And the youngest of their kids, a little girl, three years old, the same age as my Nadia, was complaining about her knee hurting. And when they took her to the doctor, they found a tumor in her lower back. And this once completely healthy family is suddenly now plunged into medical bills and chemotherapy and surgeries and doctor's visits. Everything in their world flipped upside down. This was a various trial that tests everything, everything. And my wife has been following them on Facebook and praying for them. And you know what she's noticed? Is that Christians don't show up battered. They show up better. They, this family lives with this view that everything about, the, the outcome is totally uncertain right now. They have no idea if she's gonna live or die from this. But they genuinely believe that everything about heaven and about God is better than everything here. So they have peace. I can't even imagine if that was my little girl. But I know. I know that we can rest in the arms of our God who loves us. This is a family that is that has detached from the world. That's how they can have joy. That's how they can have peace. Peace. And they didn't find joy. They didn't muster up joy. Jackie is, is praying for a family that's going to the beach and they're going to Disney World and they're making the most of every moment. And it's not something that's external. It's something that's already inside because this is a gift that God gives his people that they can rest and have peace and joy and love and compassion and purpose in a life that's temporary. This is a family whose dependency is on God and not on doctors and not on their emotions and not on their circumstances. This is a family who has put Jesus in the center. This little girl's name is Abby. Feel free to pray for her. What a God we serve. That he would give us peace in the midst of the crazy. And I think that a lot of people watching this may be in situations that they never saw coming. And they're hurting in levels maybe they never had before. Maybe you never have before. 
But you can count it all joy. You can count it all joy that we have a God who is with you in it. And you're not going to show up battered and beaten. Your God who's going to give you, he's going to mold in you steadfastness that you're going to show up better, stronger, more capable, more dependent on him than ever before. We shouldn't have joy because of what we know. We should have joy because of who we know. Recap. The Bible has encouragement for Christians who are suffering. Thank you, Jesus. Hard times are the tools God uses to spiritually mature his people to be steadfast. Developing steadfastness in us is moving us toward perfection. Jesus defines perfection as detachment from the world, dependency on God, and developed relationship with him. And all of these begin with focus shifts. All right, two challenges. Challenge number one, in the midst of all this chaos and everything that's going on, I challenge you to give up something to serve someone else. Maybe that's time, money, your talents. Give up something to serve someone else. And challenge number two, begin the practice of awareness of God's presence with you. He is Emmanuel. He is with you. Remember, when you picture him with you, it is more reality than imagination. Talk to him. Bring him into every situation. Elevate, I love you guys so much. Hope you all have an awesome night. And I look forward to doing this again next week, but I so look forward to being with you in person and hugging all of you. I don't care about COVID. I just want to hug you guys and let you know that I love y'all and we miss you big time. Um, have a great night and go serve somebody. Let's, let's not get beaten down in this season. Let's be the people that rise up, that become the shining light of who our God is. And that's why we do what we do. All right. I love you guys. Have a great night. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.